This week's pod is supported by Manscaped. Manscaped is just launched in the UK. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job. And now you can be one of the first people in England to experience Manscaped's life-changing products. Manscaped is a skin-safe trimmer for below-the-belt shaving. Uh, Their 7,000 RPM motor has quiet stroke technology. And I know you fellas like a quiet stroke. So they tell us that Manscaped's technology will make your testes their besties and you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code NQAT at manscaped.com. That's code NQAT for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Uh, welcome to another episode of No Question About That, the podcast about misery, death, and uh, illness this week. Um, and also maybe some I, football in there. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I uh, went to... I went... I was away this midweek. Um, Why were you away this and, midweek, Paul? I'm afraid I can't oh. say. Um, and then uh, the... So... I listened to the Leipzig game in the radio and my main thought was, I bet you the game against Arsenal is going to be unbelievably drab. So all this kind of unbelievable joy and excitement and happiness that we, we're going to miss having the chance to capture will be completely evaporated. And uh, yeah, I now absolutely hate football and wish we didn't have to do this show this week. Um, <laughs> Such a fair weather fan. Arsenal game. It's not. No, it's not that. It's the. It's the. It's the completely life sucking. Uh, I've committed to this, so I can't just turn the TV off and go do something else. Feeling that you get from a game like that Chelsea game or a game like yeah. the game today. I mean, look. I mean, we would we, we'll, we'll do a brief conversation about the Leipzig game uh, because it's a, a few days old now. So you know, everyone's listened to a million podcasts talking about that one already. Get into today's. Absolute wet blanket of a game. 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 Game, in inverted yeah. commas. 0.39 XG for United and, and Arsenal just broke the one, but that included the penalty. So, yeah, not not great. So, 0.25 from open play from Arsenal. Yeah. Then. Talk about some uh, news. Uh, Styles and Charlton, very sad there. And look forward to yeah, the, really the game sad, against yes. uh, Istanbul, Beşiktaş in midweek. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention despotic totalitarianism yeah. in the... Yeah, but enough about Jose Mourinho, they play later. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, it's... Oh, fun and games, fun and games, yeah. So, Leipzig. I mean, the funny thing about the Leipzig game is that, I mean, obviously United played way, way better. um, But in the first half against Leipzig, it didn't feel quite balanced. Uh, and mm-hmm. um, and the team struggled to uh, get into any attacking situations. So I was just looking at the the, the data. Um, only fifteen percent possession inside the attacking third in the first half against Leipzig. Just a touch more than that today. Um, so you know, pretty ineffective actually for a long period against Leipzig. And and uh, ob- obviously got the goal earlier which which did mean uh, as you know we got into the second half of the second half the final quarter 
of uh, of the game against Leipzig that um, that uh, Leipzig had to come and attack, you know, and they just really couldn't handle United um, in the transition at all, especially after Marcus Rashford came on. So you know there were there were echoes a little bit. Five um, nil. I think probably flattered United a bit. Although, you know, the goals were absolutely outstanding, weren't they? I mean, almost all of them. Yeah, and and just what a... And because, you know, Andy Burnham had tweeted before the Chelsea game, if there, if there is a guard, then Marcus Rashford's getting a hat-trick today. It's like, oh, just a few days. The Lord works in mysterious ways. Um, just a few days later. And the, the fact that, you know, he gave the penalty to Martial because Martial really needed a goal when it was when he was on two. He never scored a hat-trick for United, could easily have had it, but instead was generous about it and still got a hat-trick. I mean, it couldn't have been more beautiful. It couldn't have been more of a kind of, ah, oh, just the, the exact opposite of the last two hours, really, just elating and life-affirming and, you know, um, good things happening to good people because Marcus Rashford had been at the centre of national discourse in a way that no footballer has been for positive reasons at any point in my lifetime. Um, and then here we go. After after that, he after all these incredible feats off the pitch, he smashes it at his day job. And the goals were unbelievable. The one where he, like, um, does the little shimmy out of his feet and then the finish just hit it like an like an actual literal foot like a traction engine <laughs> yeah look i mean i mean the the great goal started with mason of course yeah what a, what a lovely finish for him and uh, i guess for different reasons he needed that not quite smashing it off the pitch or maybe smashing it off the pitch a bit too much and that's part of his problem uh, uh but uh, and and throughout the team um of recent games back in it and uh, left foot, right foot, it doesn't really matter for Mason, does it? Just a, you know, awesome finish again. Uh, and it's at the platform for United, even though it wasn't particularly fluent in that first half. It certainly set the platform for what came later. Um, and yeah, some lovely finishing from Rashford. Uh, you mentioned Martial got his goal. We'll come on to it in a bit, but I thought he was missed against Arsenal. He's He is better with his back. He's a He's a more natural number nine than Marcus Rashford, for sure. Um, and able to, to bring players into game. Into the game, I mean, he still prefers the ball in front of him. Um, but, uh, you know, good for him. First goal of the season, wasn't it? For Martial, needed that one. And, and has set United up, um, yeah, really well. So two games, two wins. Uh, we go to Istanbul later in the week. You'd expect to win there because it's not particularly good. I mean, I've only seen them once, so I'm basing this entirely on a very small sample size, which was their game against Copenhagen in the Europa League last year, and they weren't very good. They made a few signings since then, uh, including uh, our very own Raphael. Um, But, uh, you know, so United are going to be in a really strong position, I think, after three games, unlike in the Premier League, (laughs) which we are not. Yeah, worth saying about the Leipzig game, uh, Fred was extremely involved. Yeah, involved he in had a really good game. Hell, like, his XG chain for that game must be super high because involved in all the, the goals, in the build-up to all the goals. Um, it looked to me like Pogba had his best game this season, which was in stark contrast to what happened. I mean, yeah, he looked all the sea against Arsenal. And, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk was, about this. But, uh, yeah, he was effective left side of a, of the diamond um, against uh, Leipzig and you know had freedom 
got forward a lot, played some really nice passes. He was obviously involved in the the f- opening goal, wasn't he? So he made the pass for Mason. Yeah, fantastic ball. Yeah, you know, threaded through uh, Mason just onside, and you know, Mason d- doing the things that Pogba does best. You know, which is when he can get into the the attacking areas of the pitch, he can cause a lot of damage. And uh, Van der Beek in the starting lineup ahead of Fernandez, literally just like for like replacement squad management, all the all the headlines, all the talk, all the the scuttlebutt about Van der Beek, and then he just went ahead and started him in the Champions League. Uh, Carl using a brilliant analogy, and a uh, friend of the show, Carl Anker, using a brilliant analogy on the Athletic, saying, "You know, when you buy a coat uh, in the summer sales for forty quid because you know you're going to need it in December." That's Donny van der Beek, which is quite a nice analogy. But yes, anyway, although to um, be fairer with that analogy, it is that because there are going to be a lot of games this season. Solskjaer's been really clear about that one. It's just when you've got three other winter coats already, you just wonder whether you really <laughs> needed it. And and no trousers. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was lovely and I, I was driving along in my car listening to it on the radio fully like punch in the air and just I was in a residential neighborhood at that point so I didn't bib the horn but I would have done if I was able to um it was just it was electric and and life enhancing and beautiful that Marcus Rashford got a hat trick and that is basically the last happy thing that's going to be said on this show so tune out now if you if you came for the fun joyous ride um we're about to we're about to get dark um, I thought that Solskjaer really, I mean, whenever United play well and win, I get messages from a number of people, one person in particular, you know who you are, hello, um, saying, oh, bet you feel stupid now. See, Ollie's great. It's like, well, what, what about after the game that's just yeah. been <laughs> where he's made a load of massive mistakes and at no point have we ever said he's stu- he's rubbish. We're just like for every good, there's an equal and opposite bad. And like, yeah, United are in a better place than they've been for a long time. But he, uh, I mean, there, were, there, were, there was one in particular where I thought Pogba was spectacularly disastrous today Fred had a rough game but this one to me was actually about systems yeah. about decisions about yeah. substitutions about the things that the manager is supposed to do yes and I, mean, I mean I rubbish. think your mum's pretty harsh messaging you like that really she should go easy on you after all these years uh, but no it's not Paul's mum it's not Paul's mum I'm sending it under a pseudonym so you know look I, I, I'm 100% in agreement with you and uh, I, I did wonder whether we'd come to this conclusion or not I, I think Ollie has um, he he used a diamond to try and get Paul Pogba into the team we assume in midweek and we, we talked about it before didn't we uh, in fact maybe even on last week's show about how we could we get uh, Fernandez, Pogba and Van der Beek in the side more often well, Fernandez wasn't in this one, but talked about the option being the diamond. Sorry, the Leipzig game. Uh, the option being the diamond, um, and the the real weakness there is with your fullbacks now, um, or if you don't have attacking fullbacks, it's with your fullbacks or dynamic fullbacks. Uh, so I, I, you know, I feel Oli is quite reactive quite often, and I'm, you know, very rarely surprised if if he uh, plays the same system in two games in a row, especially after a win, uh, because, you know, hey, 
United were successful and let's uh, let's move on from that one and, and do it again. Uh, but against an Arsenal side that really, you know, played three up front, really, really high, um, and sort of wing backs, you know, this is this is going to be a weakness for United um, because often they'll be able to create an overload. And time and time again in that first half, they created overloads on the left-hand side of United's, uh, of their attack and, and the right-hand side of United's defence. Um, and, you know, it was their outball all the time. And the changing system had to come, and it did come at half-time. I mean, it had to come, uh, but the exact weakness of that particular system against the system Arsenal was playing kind of played out, you know. This is this is the thing. It's like it it was a really good idea to play that system against Leipzig and not just because we won. That's not that's not the reason it was a good idea. It was it was a good tool for the task at hand and in this game, particularly with the personnel cuz it's they're not the same. It's not the same when you play the same system with different players. Fred played um, on the right of uh, the midfield diamond against Leipzig. Fred played at the base of the diamond in this game with McTominay on the right. And the whole thing... I mean, Pogba putting in a 10 out of 10 disaster class is obviously not helping things on the left. That's not a Pog- That's not an Ole problem. You think Pogba on the left of a diamond, perfect, beautiful. You know, no problem with that in, in theory. But the rest of it, the balance wasn't right. And, you know, you mentioned Martial being a natural number nine in a way that Rashford is... I mean, I actually think that they'd, they, the two of them together at the front of a diamond is a brilliant idea. You know, I think you could they could be really a, a really complementary uh, front two, Martial and Rashford. But Greenwood and Rashford, it's a, it's a different proposition. So to just be like, oh, uh, oh, we won 5-0 using the diamond, that should work now. I mean, Ollie's not stupid. That's not, I'm not saying that's how he thinks. Um, but in, as you say, the halftime tweak, the first halftime tweak was perfect. Shifted the system around, gave United a measure of control, and from them until Matic comes on, United are really bossing that game. Then he brought Matic on and surrendered so much impetus. And then, for some reason, with United chasing the game, decided that Bruno was the one of the attacking midfielders who needed to come off of Van der Beek when Pogba was absolutely stinking up the joint. Yeah, I mean, I think Bruno looks which is why he's come off. I mean, it's, it's sure, for sure physical. Anyway, finish your point. Well, yeah, listeners to this show know that my defensiveness over Paul Pogba is uh, not particularly rational. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I am a staunch Pogba Easter, um, but he was rubbish in this game. And yeah, Bruno kind of did look, he, he did look tired in this game, but he didn't play in midweek. And we've got a game coming up that you know he could play van der beek in that game in theory uh, yeah anyway i don't know yeah look it started it just... at the beginning with the formation it was the wrong formation for the game and the opposition and it was obviously it wasn't working after 20 minutes i mean could have made the switch then and why didn't he that's the, that's the other thing like it wasn't just like oh this is looking a bit dodgy we couldn't get out of our own half the only time the ball got out of our, I mean there's a couple of times where we started like fairly promising counters and there were like little moments when something might have come off and might have happened but the 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 level of threading the needle that we were looking for especially given the personnel on the pitch I mean McTominay tried to thread the needle right at the end of that game and thought like 
listen, I, I, you're really good at some things, but the silken through ball is not necessarily Scott McTominay's game, is no, it? No, that's right. I mean, look, it looked like United were short of a player in midfield. I mean, Fernandez was staying high up the pitch, as he does. Uh, and Greenwood kept dropping back and dropping back, leaving Marcus Rashford on, on his own up there, and it, it wasn't sticking, and United felt light in midfield, and, I mean, weren't lighter in midfield, although um, Thomas Partey, as we all know and saw before and have known for many years, is a high-quality addition. Finally, Arsenal have got some balance in there. Um, it's uh, It's very sad that they seem to have bought someone actually decent. But, um, you know, it felt like they had an extra player because because they were just so effective across midfield and, and United weren't. And, you know, they had width in Bellerin and particularly in Saka and, and just the balance of Tierney, Saka, Bamiyang down that left-hand side gave them an, an attacking outlet all the time. It wasn't quite the same with Bellerin and William holding, but, I mean, probably holding's like more reluctant to push forward with the ball, isn't he? Uh, and not as good in possession. Uh, but United had none of that. We just we just didn't have have that balance in the, the. It felt lopsided right from the beginning of the game, and we weren't able to get a hold of the ball at all. You know, and and the only thing that saved us from uh, going behind earlier was, well, William clipped the bar, and who was it that put the the header over? Can't remember now. Uh, from Bellerin's cross and the header just over from six yards out was probably their best chance of the game, to be honest. Uh, otherwise, you know, we'd have been chasing the game from earlier and earlier. But look, you know, the switch came at halftime and, and for 20 minutes or so, United were were much more on the front foot. Um, Paul Pogba was basically left side of the front three, which, you know... I don't think anyone's going to say that's his natural there, position, but at least he's high up the pitch, which is where you want him. The one time a long way. he decides to bloody cover, <laughs> and he's covering for Luke Shaw, is a bit out of position. And, uh, I mean, you know, it's, tackling has never been Paul Pogba's strong point. It's okay. You can do one thing really well, or lots of things well, yeah. and be not good at some things. Uh, but that's a horrible attempt. Just a horrible Just attempt to, to make a tackle. And, and totally unnecessary. Yeah, and really, really, I mean, obviously, but really key because, yeah, Arsenal, I mean, that William one wasn't a good chance. It was just a good shot. And then that one good header. And Lacazette um, missed, swung and missed at one, uh, unmarked on the penalty spot. Um but they weren't creating much. They were just really effective in stopping United and they probably looked a bit more likely to create, but not in those 20 minutes. So to just give that, I mean, really and truly give them a penalty was such a, such a like, oh, you're just watching that, tearing your hair out going, just make, just make, okay decisions like you don't have to make good decisions just make okay don't make absolutely egregiously terrible decisions um it's egregious it's preposterous um, i mean it was it was awful it was it was truly awful decision that one moment uh on top of a, a game that was really poor from pogba but but you know really poor from a lot of people in this game i mean united yeah. had just no attacking output at all i mean a lot because it's very very narrow and arsenal actually had quite an easy time defending um, with their narrow defensive formation and our narrow attacking formation. And you'd hope that, 
you would have a couple of fullbacks who'd be able to make the space in behind the two wingbacks, but just aren't able to. I mean, Shaw had a decent game, didn't he? And um, he had a good game in midweek as well. And I mean, Alex Tellez, we won't see for a... I mean, maybe we can see him in a week's time or so. He said he has he he was diagnosed with COVID, symptomless apparently, uh, but obviously has to to quarantine. Then he'll have to get back into training. So you know, um, but on the right side, we're never going to get much attacking output out of Wampasaka, as we've discussed so often. So it just <laughs> it was just I mean it was it was. <laughs> It, it, it was not a good, and even with the changes, right? We we don't have the width anywhere in the squad, basically, uh, in order to take advantage of the opposition's weakness. Uh, and it made it easy for Arteta to park the bus, which he did, and just kept bringing on more and more defenders at the end. Um, I guess he brought in Ketia on, but anyway, mostly just defenders. Uh, I a word of I don't know, praise is too strong a word, but a word of like, huh? From for Luke Shaw, which is that he was not terrible putting one really good cross. Nobody was on the end of it, but you know, considering what we normally say about Luke Shaw, particularly playing at left back, whatever, like he was not terrible in this game. Um, I I'm trying to. I mean, I was trying. I'm trying to think of a positive performance. There was a shot straight at De Gea, which he saved, which is always reassuring. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, that's me done. Partey looks good. That's, that's annoying. I, I, I've got nothing else to say about this game and that's two games in a row that trying to talk about them. I mean, yeah, like it's not, not United's fault that we took midweek off recording a podcast when they won five nil in spectacular fashion in the Champions League with the nation's sweetheart scoring an unbelievable 16 minute hat trick. Only the second hat trick in United history scored by a substitute, um, which is pretty remarkable. Um, so, I mean, what, one of the things um, that we have to kind of talk about is where United are in the Premier League table now. So 15th, and if Brighton beat Spurs later on, will be 16th in the Premier League table. And, and like, so <laughs> it's not everything because, of course, uh, we've won a couple of games in the Champions League and played a game less than quite a lot of teams. And, 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 and it's draws against Arsenal and Chelsea, which aren't disasters. No, we lost to, we lost to, to Arsenal. We lost to Arsenal. Draw today. We lost to Arsenal. <laughs> Disaster. Scratch that. Everything <laughs> I just said for the last three seconds. <laughs> Um, so, you know, a few mitigating circumstances, but it is a long way from the start that United would have wanted. Oh, yeah. And and really difficult to get the start you want after a summer like that, which is no fault of Solskjaer's whatsoever, either on a practical sense in terms of pre-season or the squad building sense, which we know is a absolute catastrophe. So, you know, Solskjaer has plenty of mitigation in that regard. And actually, some of the frustration with him in particular is about how vitally important it is for United to have any chance for him to be really on it all the time. And he's going to make mistakes. Like, I, it's not completely unreasonable to say, OK, well, that system worked quite effectively in that last game. Let's give it another go. Um, and maybe let me see what McTominay's like in a more, like, just fully box-to-box role. Can he do it? You know, some of this some of this is about maybe building something longer term. So, you know, maybe there's there's some mitigation for Solskjaer there as well in, in 
you know, in the short term as well as the sort of problems that he's dealing with in the longer term. But yeah, uh, it's just, it's just, it's just not good enough, is it? Like, I mean, I don't mean not good enough for us. I just mean if if you if they're trying to be out there claiming they're Man United, they've they've really got to be doing a lot better than they're doing. Not good enough from some big players and definitely yeah. not good enough. I mean, look, I, I think the inconsistency is, is a lot of what I expected, uh, given that uh, I perhaps I didn't expect it quite so early in the season, although definite mitigation in the defeat to, to Palace. Um, it's hard to find any solace in the defeat to Spurs, of course, and today it was from there. Um, but I expected inconsistency because it's going to be a really hard season and, and United are not set up well as a squad. I mean, a lot of squad players, but we know that there's plenty of them that that really aren't good enough for a consistent top one, two, three in the Premier League, right? There's 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 plenty of yeah. you know, in, yeah, yeah, problems in this squad and loads of, you know, so imbalanced still. I mean, the fact that we have four players that want to, would like to play number 10, they'd say that's their best position. Fernandez, van der Beek, Pogba, Juan Mata. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot about Juan Mata. <laughs> yeah, forgot about little Juan Mata. I mean, he hasn't let himself down <laughs> yeah. in any of his games so far. No, it's um, true. No wide players at all. None. I mean, yeah. Facundo Palestri, who, you know, a kid just come from... <laughs> from Forgot about him too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a kid who's just come from Uruguay, played for the under-23s this week in a, in a completely weird game. Um, in which like, like half the squad, anyone who's playing in the first team bubble, couldn't even share a dressing room with anyone who's in the under-23s bubble. <laughs> yeah, wow. so like no training, different team talks. Um, and then we've got Diallo coming in January. I mean, you know, the kids, they, you can't expect them to fill out. Most of the time you wouldn't expect kids from another country to fill out the first team squad. Uh, and solve no. the problems there. So it's going to be a, a, a season-long problem of having this imbalance in the squad. And and I do think Oli gets himself into problems often, not all the time, but often when he's trying to tinker with the side in order to fix the, this lack of balance that he has in his squad. You know, which is yeah. the diamond is to do that. He's trying to get his best players in there all the time and you know, do something because he knows if he plays Pogba in a double pivot, it's not defensively the most solid. If he plays Fred and McTominay in there, it's more solid defensively, but how does he get Pogba into the side? You know, and he's trying to do all this. Absolutely. And and it's it's going to continue to be a problem. And we're going to continue to bring you the best in... Uh, somebody called us impartial the other day. I think I might have talked about that on the it's show. Definitely not impartial. Um, <laughs> no, highly partial, but hopefully vaguely analytical coverage. Although, you know, I'm in one of... Every every now and again, the idea that somehow I've got to find something to talk about about this nonsense because, like, almost everything both of us have said today, we've said before. Of course, so, yeah, like, and, and we're going to continue to because the same problems will be there. So, what? Why would anyone want to listen to this? That's my question. <laughs> anyway, well, thanks. now good, good now job, we have reason do. to just randomly chuck in quotes from Seinfeld because Holly confessed. <laughs> This week that he's been watching Seinfeld, which which got a mixed reaction on the internet. A lot of people seem to think that he shouldn't have any kind of social life if he's... Really? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not that that's a social life sitting on your sofa. He should be watching football 24-7 <laughs> till his eyes bleed red. 
Uh, yeah, people say stuff, yada, 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 we move on. Um, the the uh, That'll be the uh, uh, episode title, by the way. Ollie's uh, yeah, yada, 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 definitely. Um, uh, Ollie uh, is going to get home and his wife's going to be like, no soup for you! Because <laughs> they were bad today and so he can't have any soup. Um, Seinfeld is good. I'm sure, maybe that's what he's watching on his little... On his little monitor. <laughs> you think he's got data up there or replays? No. <laughs> That's how he's got through five seasons of Seinfeld since the last week. Yeah. It doesn't take long, though, no. does it? I mean, who among us cannot say we have not watched an embarrassingly large amount of a television show in a short space of time at some point during this year? We should, talking of this year, we should say um, the UK is going into a, another national lockdown, slightly different from the first one. There's, there's, there's a number more mitigations. It's more like the sort of second phase of the first lockdown. And, and that was the time at which Premier League football came back. Now, my understanding is that Premier League football is going to yeah. be unaffected by this and crack on. We're going to crack on uh, putting in, you know, mediocre performances uh, and, and the team <laughs> will too. <laughs> so. Anyway, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk about a little bit of sad news uh, and look forward to um, a Champions League game. If you want more from the show in between shows, check us out on the socials. We are NQAT Pod on Instagram, Ed's at NQAT Pod on Twitter, and we are under our real names on Facebook at No Question About That. Yeah, so two really sad pieces of news coming out of uh, United this week. And I guess we'll start with Sir Bobby Charlton um, being diagnosed with dementia. Um, I mean, nobody, I'm, I'm sure everybody that's listening to this has been affected in some way by someone that they know or, you know, family that having dementia. It's such a, a common, um, well, such a prevalent illness, I should say, among older people. And of course, it's a a really horrible one and and obviously our, our thoughts go out to you know so Bobby's family it doesn't there's no there's no if you started a kind of premature eulogy for Sir Bobby Charlton and his relationship with Manchester United there's no end to it right. you know he's one of two people that have a stand named after him at the at the ground and he's he, he's beyond it's beyond the status of club legend he's something even more than that you know he's in the pantheon uh of manchester united whatever whoever you put on your manchester united mount rushmore he's the first he's the first name on the team sheet of um the manchester united mount rushmore isn't he but yeah uh, incredibly sad news and just a, a horrible a horrible condition um, yeah, you know, because it's one of those ones that drags on for years and years and years, and can be a, a massive burden on the family um, as well yeah, as the, the sufferer as well. You know, yeah. and so, yeah, so it's you know it's devastating news, um, and I mean, unfortunately, there's there's a huge amount of footballers of his partic- particular age cohort who suffer from dementia or Alzheimer's. Uh, and related diseases, you know, um, heavy balls, a lot of heading it. Um, it's, you know, I can't link them, obviously, um, specifically in this case, but uh, it's very common. 
It's very common. Yeah. And then the other and piece of sad news uh, was the death of uh, Nobby Styles. I mean, a few years younger than Bobby Charlton, uh, but had been suffering with um, uh, Alzheimer's for some time, right? So yeah, yeah, prostate cancer and advanced dementia by the time that he went. So, like you say, another footballer of that era suffering with that absolutely horrible illness. I mean, Nobby Styles. Of course, I'm sure that most people who choose to take time to listen to a United podcast a couple of times a week are familiar with Nobby Styles, but he isn't the the universal household name in the way that Bobby Charlton is. Um, although to a certain generation, he most certainly is because he was in the 1966 um, World Cup winning team with Charlton and they both won the... European Cup together two years later um, everybody I'm sure can close their eyes and picture the toothy grin well toothless grin of Nobby Styles the amazing picture outside Old Trafford on the wall of sort of legends of him just kind of with his arm over over the wall leaning up against the post smiling um, that fantastic photo of him flicking the V's at Man City mm-hmm. um, yeah real uh, character and I mean, obviously, he stopped playing for United before I was born, so I have no, you know, first-hand recollection of seeing him uh, play. But yeah, you know, a huge, uh, a huge part in United's history. You know, more than four hundred games for the club, and and uh, you know, part of that sixty-eight European Cup winning side as well as the World Cup winning side. Um, and then came back to United uh, later on as a as a sort of coach. Um, I mean, he had three spells as a manager. He retired in '75 and then managed Preston, Vancouver White Caps, and uh, West Bromwich Albion. None with you know huge success, um, but you know he had uh, ten years as a manager with those three teams. Uh, and then came to United, and you know there's some nice posts from. Um, some of the class of 92 talking about his impact as a, a coach when they were at the club. Um, so, yeah, you know, he'll be, he'll be missed. Um, and, and like a sad, sad note, of course, that he was one of the generation of United players who had to sell their medals and trophies and memorabilia in order to make it. And it's it's long been a, um, a bone of contention or a discussion point about how much the club should support ex-players. The PFA does, of course... Um, but uh, he he is definitely not the last to have needed that money um, in retirement. Yeah, and and worth saying that in um, in a, I'm quoting from a BBC article here in a BBC documentary screened in 2017, Styles' son John told former England captain Alan Shearer he was utterly convinced heading a football was responsible for his father's dementia. So you know we we, we should we should be honest in these conversations, obviously. Yeah, yeah. No, look, sport um, shies away from having this conversation, basically. I mean, obviously, there was a a huge uh, lawsuit in the States, uh, collective action uh, with the NFL, and the NFL's ended up paying uh, $1.5 billion or something like that out uh, to victims. Um, Football has not had that conversation about the link between heading a ball and, uh, and dementia. Yeah. yeah, or related uh, related conditions, uh, and I don't think football wants to have that because to to start investigating it might be to come up with an answer you really don't like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, and I mean, I'm just a massive figure at the club. 
on the pitch and off it because, you know, you mentioned the class of 92 and he was their first United coach. And imagine what a kind of impact and legacy that is. Interestingly enough, Mark Lawrenson, because he won promotion while manager of Preston. And Mark Lawrenson said that more than anyone, he made me into a player. So clearly like somebody with a with an aptitude for passing on his knowledge of the game. You know, we saw him... He was never a pundit, Nobby, so we can't blame him for Lawrenson's punditry, can we? <laughs> no. Um, but he... Um, we saw him in that 68 final against Eusebio and he was, he was just an all-action, tough-tackling midfielder of, you know, the variety that might work at the base of a midfield diamond. Good segue. Let's uh, let's move on then to the midweek fixture at Istanbul Bishkekshire. Uh, we talked a little bit about them um, in the lead up to the United's game with Copenhagen last season, didn't we? Because you know I managed to see Copenhagen play outplay uh, Istanbul that time. Um, they've got some players that uh, you might recognise, though, haven't they? So um, I mean, I wouldn't say they've got a lot of really good players at least none that I recognise as being really good. But uh, they've got Raphael, who I, when I was... Yeah, uh, excuse me, I just would like to say there is a player I recognise as being really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I was looking at them um, a couple of weeks back um, just to, uh, you know, I'd seen Raphael had gone um, and I was just looking at the results and stuff like that and I noticed in one of the games he played in central midfield, which uh, <laughs> brought back some memories, didn't it? <laughs> They're, they're struggling a bit this season so far. They're um, they're only seventh in uh, in the Super League in Turkey, which is unusual because they've they've been right at the top end of it for a little while now. Yeah, I mean, so Raphael and they've got um, a, few, a few. Who are the other players I recognise? Demba Bar, Mehmet Topal, Martin Skirtle. Um, so a few. I mean, I'm sure they've got better players than. That lot, um, their uh, their danger players, uh, Edin Visca, the Bosnian player Giuliano, who like sounds like he should be a really famous Brazilian, but he's probably a sort of generic Brazilian who's never done much in his career uh, and journeyman's around um, some of the leagues. Uh, oh, Nasser Chadli, the former Spurs player, you'll remember. Spurs and West I, I... Brom, was it? He had another team, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think Pochettino liked him very much from what I remember. Um, the uh, In Denver Bar and Raphael, that's two of the most likeable Premier League players in history right there. Uh, the Denver Bar strawberry syrup <laughs> interview before a Man United-Chelsea game was when uh, the interviewer asked him, is that good for you? And he looked at him and went, I think so. It's like, really good. Um, I mean, I have to say Raphael uh, having... I mean, I, I, he hasn't talked that much about politics, Raphael, but uh, he, he did retweet Lucas Moura celebrating after the recent, well, not so now, not so recent Brazilian presidential election. Uh, so the fact that he's playing for a team that are in the favour of a not particularly pleasant 
ruler is maybe not that surprising. <laughs> Do you think he was, Raphael, it was Raphael. on his list, was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, play for a despot. Right, it's, a, it's such a shame. Raphael's likability as a person and relation to Manchester United are so far odds. This is, I can't imagine. I bet Fred is a Bolsonaro man Oof, as well. I, I, I don't of, want to look into it. Yeah, I mean, you know. He, but he, it's all that's, that sort of evangelical yeah, yeah. Um, Christian Brazilian footballer that they do tend to be Bolsonaro boys. So um, uh, he played today, Rafael, um, at right back, um, as Bajixia won, 2-1, um, against Konya Spor. Uh, they're playing a 4-2-3-1, so, you know, your stock European formation. Let's uh, let's see what they do. Let's assume that that's a pretty easy uh, pick for Oli then, and they'll probably match up with that one. Um <laughs> We don't know. Give me the eyes there. Uh, this is a podcast, yeah. so you can't see that. But uh, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll see. But, um, you know, I think uh, match up and then uh, United should win because uh, United are the better side here. And, and there's a lot of incentive to um, go out and give it a strong side. And, and you know, because, well, win this game and you probably only need another point to qualify from... Um, this grouping and there's likely to be a dead rubber or two at the end of the group in which you can start resting players yeah absolutely i mean it's a it's a massive one in in the sense that we've done so well like you know so now it's an absolute dream start to the champions league campaign i mean it's david moyes-esque this this starts the champions league campaign um in fact, the start to the season across the board, pretty much David Moyes-esque. Brilliant in the Champions League, dreadful in the league. Um, <laughs> they lost their two Champions League games 2-0 each time against uh, RB Leipzig, away and uh, home to PSG. Yeah. But, you know, you'd imagine that the uh, the return fixture at Old Trafford against PSG might be a tougher test. Well, not even a tougher test, but, we, you know, you couldn't guarantee that we'll negotiate that test as successfully sure. as we did in, as the, in the one in Paris. And Leipzig... I do think will be better the next time they play us. They surely can't be as open for a big stretch of that game. Uh, they might play slightly less of a high line, <laughs> given given what happened at the end of in, at the end of that one. Um, but a win here is, I mean, a win here and practically qualified, aren't we? In to all intents and purposes, the return game for this one is the next one as well in the Champions League, uh, which is typical formatting. So. Uh, like the the games against RB Leipzig and PSG should be dead rubbers. Should be have should be a free hit basically. Yeah, yeah. Let's hope so. Um, right, uh, we're going to do a podcast after that one, so we don't have to talk about the next weekend's game. And then after next weekend, is there an international break? There's one fairly soon, isn't there? And I think we've got maybe maybe we've got Everton before the international break. We um, do have Everton next weekend, and then you, you might be right. Yeah. It might be the international break then. When- yeah, so we play Everton. So it's Istanbul, Everton, then West Brom on the 21st, um, and then Istanbul again on the 24th. So you were right about the, the balance of fixtures in uh, the group. Um, but yeah, so so two big games, because if we win both of these games and go into the international break, having more or less qualified from our Champions League group and back in the mix to an extent in the Premier League, Everton have been uh, floundering a little yeah, bit lost to um, after spin. their brilliant... Yeah, after a brilliant start. So, yeah, I mean, you know, a, a very doomy, gloomy first half of the show. Um, I, I just, 
I just really, it's just totally subjective. I absolutely hated every minute of that game. Like it was just miserable to watch and I just wasn't in the mood to watch a miserable game of football, you know. Uh, but things could look up pretty quickly. They could do. They could do. And in the, in the meantime, if they don't look up, you can always take up watching Seinfeld for the 50th time. Yeah, that sounds ideal to me. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. No, that's uh, the other one. one. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Right, 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 right. Right. Um, we will... What's the t- What's the deal with podcasts? Why do they go on so long? Um, and what, what do you think the deal will be with the score between Manchester United and Istanbul? I, I'm going to say 3-0 to United. Yeah, okay. I'm going to say 1-0 to United. Um, thanks for listening, uh, Patreon backers. Stay tuned for our chat about football all around the country this weekend um and everyone else we will see you uh on probably friday next week take care till then (laughs) 